0: Coming to you live from New York, I'm Zane Ashen, my colleague Julia Chatterley. This is First Move, and here is your need to know. Double dilemma. Republicans face tricky votes over stimulus and defense, testing their loyalty to Donald Trump. And Fauci's warning, the infectious disease experts grim reality as COVID cases explode in and around the US. And fashion giant tributes paid following the death of French designer Pierre Cardin is Tuesday. Let's make a move.
1: This is CNN Breaking News.
0: I want to begin with breaking news from Croatia, where all national services have been mobilized after a 6.3 magnitude earthquake. A 6.3 magnitude earthquake there in Croatia. It hit the center of the country, but could certainly be felt in other parts of the country as well, according to the prime minister, who says that the priority right now, they're on the ground there, uh, near Zagreb, is to save lives. Hervoy Krasic is a reporter with CNN affiliate N1. He joins me live now from Croatia's capital. Zagreb, Herboy, thank you so much for being with us. So, Two earthquakes in two days. You've got one today, 6.3. Another one that was yesterday that was just over five are on the Richter scale. Just walk us through what sort of damages there's been to buildings, what sort of injuries have been sustained. I imagine it's still too early at this point uh, to know specifics.
2: Yes, and you're right. But unfortunately, what we know so far is that one life has been lost. A girl aged 12 in Petrinja, which is a city that was most hardly hit with earthquake both yesterday and today Uh, she unfortunately died and there are other casualties it's still too early to say whether there will be any fatal casualties uh, anymore there are some casualties in zagreb as well but minor casualties Uh, but the damage to the buildings and to the city is huge petrinja is one of the poorest cities in croatia it was heavily hit during the homeland war 30 years ago in uh, croatia uh and unfortunately some scars uh and underdevelopment from the time remained uh, there are many old buildings buildings that are built over a hundred years ago still in the austro-hungarian empire uh and these buildings have been most hardly hit yesterday they suffered damage and this today was completely devastating most part of most parts of that city will have to be evacuated A kindergarten was crushed. Fortunately, not many uh, kids were there uh, and um, there are other other huge issues as well. Uh, Hospitals are unable to operate the uh, hospitals in Petrinja, um, so people will have to be moved towards uh, neighboring cities of Sisak and to Zagreb as well. Most um, rescue services from throughout Croatia are flooding in Petrinja as we speak. From different uh, parts of Croatia. The damage will be huge. Yesterday's damage was approximately 1,000 houses were damaged by yesterday's earthquake, but there were no significant human uh, casualties. Unfortunately, today the situation is much, much worse. And it's not only the last two days that have been uh, uh, impacted by earthquakes uh, Croatia has suffered. A rather strong earthquake, especially Zagreb this spring. Uh, It was also approximately at around uh, 6 degrees. Uh, Today's earthquake is 30 times stronger than the one in spring was. The amount of energy that uh, was unleashed uh, through today's earthquake is 30 times bigger than it was in spring.
0: That's incredible. So there was another earthquake in March, another one yesterday, one today. You're saying that the one today was actually 30 times stronger than what was felt in the same area in March. You mentioned that a 12-year-old girl died, but of course, uh, unfortunately, that death toll could, of course, rise as more and more information comes through. So the fact that this actually happened during a pandemic, when people who otherwise would have been going to work, uh, out on the streets, having lunch with friends perhaps, we're at home, and also important to note during the Christmas holidays when schools were closed. You mentioned the kindergarten that was crushed was virtually empty. How much did that actually serve to perhaps mitigate uh, more of the damage, just in terms of loss of life?
2: Well, it's it's really devastating. I mean, um, the, the the psychological and the mental burden is uh, huge. It has been huge. Croatia has uh introduced curfew so to say well not not full curfew but uh some lighter version of curfew prior to um christmas holidays and uh i don't believe that anybody was happy with that um Croatia has had a high rise in uh, deaths from covid-19 uh, in uh, late uh november and early december so some measures had to be made and uh people as you said remained at their homes uh, they didn't travel at all they couldn't go and see their relatives throughout the Christmas time. Uh, good thing when it comes to yesterday's earthquake was that it happened at 6.30 a.m. So there was virtually nobody outside the streets. And to a certain degree, it, it it was probably helpful today as well, because nobody was outside where the bricks and the mortar has been falling off buildings. Unfortunately, those who stayed in old buildings, especially in Petrina. Uh, were damaged and suffered and uh some of them uh for instance i believe you you were able to see the images there was a car beneath rubble uh, that dropped from a building and there was a kid trapped a young boy was trapped in that car fortunately enough he managed to survive with no major damage no major impact to his health but like i said people remained home um nobody was walking very much around the streets that that's a lucky thing but it's not a it's, it's unlucky if you're staying in an old building.
0: Thank you so much for being with us. And of course, our hearts go out to the family members of that 12-year-old girl uh, who passed away today. May her soul rest in peace. Thank you so much. Uh, let's bring in Jennifer Gray, who joins us live now from the Weather Center. So, Jennifer, for those of us who are not necessarily seismic experts, um, how common is it to have not just three three earthquakes in one year, but also an earthquake back-to-back in terms of yesterday and today and, and, and relatively similar on the Richter scale
3: right well this is an area that is very prone to seismic activity they do have many many earthquakes throughout the year albeit many of those small however this was by far the strongest quake of the year now what happened yesterday uh, a lot of people started us staying outdoors after that because they were afraid that there may be a bigger one right after it which is common sometimes you have earthquakes and it's a foreshock to what is to come sometimes that's the main event but it's really hard to know if that's going to be the biggest one or if there is a bigger one to come. Now, when you have one this big, you hope that that is going to be the biggest, but you will have aftershocks after this and you'll have them for days, weeks, even months to come of smaller earthquakes that will follow this one because it was so big. Now we could have more than a thousand of them in the days, weeks and months ahead. And when the structures are already already damaged as they are now, some of those smaller quakes can cause even more structural damage because it has already been compromised by the bigger quake. The other thing with this Zane is how far reaching it was felt. It was felt all the way to Budapest, Munich. Rome. Of course, the shaking wasn't as violent as it was in central Croatia, but it was very far reaching as far as the shaking. uh, And that is a huge chunk of real estate across Europe. Of course, we saw 48 million people uh, that felt very weak shaking. And of course, that goes to say how far reaching it was. Uh, The very severe shaking was about 38,000 people. Very strong shaking was felt by about 75 Thousand people. But this is the uh, who felt it map. So basically you can report in if you felt some shaking and you can just see all of the dots that are on the map across portions of Italy, Germany, Austria, all the way down uh, through Croatia, Hungary, all of these people felt the shaking of course the yellow and orange dots that's the more severe shaking that was felt right there in central Croatia you have to take into account the economic loss that this is going to create and um, with the data uh, that is provided from earthquakes uh, in the past you can estimate uh, what that eco- economic loss is going to be this one uh, a size, uh, this magnitude, 36% chance it's up to a billion dollars in economic losses. And so they will be rebuilding for years to come. Huge economic impact with quakes this
0: size. And in the meantime, as you mentioned, we're going to keep an eye out for those aftershocks. Obviously, a lot of people there in that region are going to do their best to shield themselves and keep themselves uh, as safe as possible. Jennifer, great life for us. Thank you so much. We'll bring you much more on the earthquake as we get it during First Move and, of course, throughout the day here on CNN. I want to turn now to global markets. U.S. stocks are on track to hit fresh records in early trading on hopes that the newly passed COVID relief bill and vaccine rollouts will boost economic growth next year. In Europe, UK stocks are outperforming on their first day of trading this week. Investors applauding the post-Brexit trade agreement between the EU and the UK. Asia closed mostly higher, with Tokyo's Nikkei average finishing at its best level in 30 years. Chinese stocks pulled back even as Beijing and the EU moved closer to a landmark investment agreement. U.S. Senate Republicans are facing a double dilemma that puts their loyalty to President Trump on the line. On Monday, the Democrat-dominated House voted to increase stimulus checks for Americans from $600 to $2,000 in terms of direct payments, an idea that is backed by President, the president but opposed by Republican senators. Secondly, there is the defense bill that, the, that Mr. Trump actually had vetoed. The House voted to override that veto, with many Republicans joining the Democrats' Both proposals now go on uh, to the Senate. Let's talk now to John Harwood, who's at the White House for us. So, um, John, Senate Republicans right now are certainly in a difficult position, especially when it comes to that $2,000 direct payment that President Trump so badly wants uh, ordinary Americans to have access to. On the one hand, Senate Democrats don't believe in, in, in sort of the growing growing debt and deficit in this country. On the other hand, they want to show that they are loyal to their constituents and they desperately want to help them through trying times. Um, what do they do in this situation?
4: I think Republicans are going to turn away from the $2,000 checks. Uh, I don't think the president really wants them that badly. If he did, he would have fought for them in the negotiations with Congress leading up to the COVID relief bill. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, Zane, that we've seen about President Trump is Yes, he has a grip over the Republican base, but he's very rarely been able to get Republican elected officials to do things on policy that they don't really want to do. And uh, it is, there is a very d- deep vein of opposition to these $2,000 checks within the Republican uh, conference. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader himself... It opposes these $2,000 payments. So I think it's going to, in the end, be deflected by Republicans. They'll shove it off to the side, not enact it, even though Democrats have tried to put pressure on them. And I think the same thing will happen to the override of the defense bill. We saw the veto of the president overridden in the House yesterday. I think it will be overridden in the Senate as well because that is a popular bill. Republicans want to inject the bill. And the grounds on which the president has uh, staked his opposition and his appeal to them are so outside the mainstream. One is a completely unrelated provision about big tech, the president complaining that big tech's out to uh, to get him, which is not particularly plausible. The second thing is he's uh, trying to preserve the right to keep the names of uh, U.S. military bases and statues named for Confederate generals. The American public has moved away from that position. The U.S. military has moved away from that position. And so I think as a consequence, it's not going to be all that difficult for Republicans to say, hear you, Mr. President, but no thanks, we're going to approve this bill
0: certainly evidence in the last few days of the Trump administration of a growing chasm between uh, President Trump and uh, Senate Republicans. All right, John Harwood, live for us there. Thank you so much. Across the Atlantic, there are alarming warnings about the pressure Britain's National Health Service is under. There are now more COVID patients in hospital than when the first wave of the pandemic was actually at its peak back in April. The head of England's Health Service says it is a worrying situation.
4: Let's face it, this has probably been the toughest year that most of us can remember. That's certainly true across the health service, where we've been responding to the worst pandemic in a century. And now, of course, again, we're back in the eye of the storm with this second wave of coronavirus sweeping Europe and indeed this country.
0: Salma Abdelaziz is outside London, St. Thomas Hospital, which has one of the largest critical care units uh, in the UK. So, Salma, how tough has this month in particular been for the NHS, given the lockdown, given the strain of the new virus and just how rapidly this new strain actually uh, spreads?
5: saying it's been awful. I mean, they are teetering on the edge. You essentially have the doctors and nurses and medical workers who have been fighting this pandemic since spring, essentially begging, pleading with the population to please follow the rules, please follow the restrictions. And they have a very good reason to be concerned. Just look at the figures. Uh, By many measures, worse than at any time during the pandemic. More patients in hospital with coronavirus than ever before. Uh, Yesterday, Monday, the UK breaking its daily record number of cases with more than 41,300 cases. The London Ambulance Service saying the day after Christmas they received 8000 emergency calls as much as their very busiest day this year, particularly here in London. Hospitals say that they are stretched Uh, and these medical workers have also suffered themselves. So you have some of them who are in isolation. You're talking about short staffing in some of these hospitals. And much of the spike is due to a new variant of coronavirus. And that's the other very concerning part, this new variant of coronavirus that the government says is more transmissible, that it spreads more easily, that it's common in London and parts of Southeast England, and it's spreading to other parts of the country. So a lot of fears here that if people don't start to just stay at home and work from home and follow these rules, that next year these hospitals could be overwhelmed. Now. Restrictions are set to be reviewed tomorrow in Parliament, and we're expecting a wider rollout of restrictions. But again, this all comes down to the individuals and hearing those pleas from the doctors and nurses in these hospitals to please, follow the rules, be vigilant.
0: And: Zayn? All right, Salma is life for us there in London. Thank you so much. In the U.S., the pandemic is out of control here, too, with hospitalizations at a record high and some hospitals in California talking about possible rationing of patient care. Top infectious disease expert Anthony Fauci tells CNN January could topple December as the deadliest month of the pandemic in the U.S. yet.
1: I think we just have to assume that it's going to get worse. You know, we're between 100 and 200,000 new infections each day. You know, there was a period at the worst part of December when it was over 200,000. I hope we don't just get to that level of continually seeing over 200,000, because as you know, it staggers. You get cases, you get hospitalizations, and then you get deaths. It's highly predictable that once you increase in those number of cases in a staggered way, every couple of weeks, you get increase in the hospitalization. You mentioned the situation in California, which is very disturbing. You just hate to see that when you have healthcare providers trying as best as they can, yeah. knocking themselves out to take care of people, and they're running out of beds.
0: Stephanie Elam is Life for Us in Los Angeles. So, Stephanie, just given everything that Dr. Anthony Fauci said there, how are hospitals deciding, especially in California, how to dole out and administer care? Uh, to patients and who receives priority and who doesn't. I imagine it's a complex, layered decision-making process.
6: It is, and no medical worker wants to be put into that position, Zane. No one wants to have to look at two people and decide which of them should be given more of a chance to live because they only have one ventilator between the two. But that's the issue that we are dealing with here, is that there is a finite number of resources, and that includes medical workers themselves, nurses, and so forth, that they just don't have enough of here in California. And yesterday, Governor Gavin Newsom said that California is starting to plateau in the number of cases in most of the state except for here in Southern California and also in the San Joaquin Valley two of the five regions that they've broken the state up into where you can see right now there are just no ICU beds available and that is the huge concern here because of that we are expecting to see that the stay-at-home order that is in effect for those two regions will be extended today because the numbers are just going in the wrong direction. Overall, Los Angeles County, which is really the epicenter of the outbreak here in the state, is the most populous county in the country, as a matter of fact. They're saying 9 to 10 people a minute are testing positive for the coronavirus right now. Uh, the positivity rate has been shooting up. Yesterday it was 19.2 percent for L.A. County. Now, one thing I can point out is that the testing has really ramped up from November to December in the state. But when you look at these numbers, you can see that there's an issue. You see that uh, ambulances are not able to get to hospitals. So doctors are having to come out, nurses are having to come out to take a look at these patients in the ambulances. We know that tents have come back up. They were up during the summer surge. They're now back up so that they can treat these patients. That is what's happening here. And across the country, Zane, you've got eight different states that have posted record hospitalizations as of Monday. So again, it's not just here. It shows that people are moving around. They're traveling around. And those numbers are going to turn into cases. And those cases are always people. Same. Frightening stuff. Stephanie Elam, life was there. Thank you so
0: much. We'll have much more on First Move, First Move Excuse me. here after the break. Don't go away. These are the stories making headlines around the world. In the Chinese city of Wuhan, where COVID-19 first came to light, a new study estimates that it may have infected, actually at that time, nearly half a million people, almost 10 times the number of people actually diagnosed. It comes as the emergency rollout of the vaccine gets underway. Selena Wang is in Tokyo for us. So, so Selena, just explain to us why the discrepancy in terms of the number of cases that were reported In Wuhan? Was it a deliberate attempt uh, by the government to control the narrative, or were there genuine, honest, sort of human errors in the way the numbers were tallied?
7: Well, Zane, we know that during outbreaks, it is common for health authorities around the world to suffer from underreporting, often because of lack of capacity or resources. But when it comes to China, there is this question of transparency. For instance, leaked documents from the Hubei CDC showed that health authorities were under reporting the public health counts, case counts of COVID-19 during the outbreak that were lower than what they were recording internally. So what this data from the Chinese CDC shows is that the scale of the outbreak may have been far worse than we thought. The study used a sample of 34,000 people in China and found that COVID-19 antibodies were present in 4.43% of the population in Wuhan. This is a city of around 11 million people. So if we take that ratio, that would mean that some 500,000 residents may have been infected. That is 10 times greater than the official tally. Now, this study by the CDC, however, also notes that in other cities in Hubei, the Prevalence of the COVID antibodies was only in 0.44% of the surveyed residents. That is extremely low. And Chinese state media have touted that specific piece of data as proof that China was actually effective in its strategy in terms of containment of the pandemic from Wuhan. Zane? And and moving forward, uh, Selena,
0: where do things stand right now in terms of the vaccine rollout in Wuhan? How widely available is it?
7: It's hard to believe that it is almost exactly a year since China first reported those cases of a novel coronavirus to the World Health Organization. And now Wuhan, ground zero of the pandemic, is starting to roll out a vaccination program under emergency use. We don't have details on exactly how many people are going to be vaccinated, but we do know that China currently has five COVID 19 vaccines that are in phase three clinical trials and according to authorities more than 1 million doses of covid19 vaccines have already been distributed in china for emergency use However, despite this progress, international health experts continue to question the transparency, the safety, and efficacy of China's COVID-19 vaccines. And although the pandemic in China is largely under control at this point, the country is dealing dealing with the sporadic outbreaks. Currently, Beijing and Dalian are back under these mass testing programs. And the stakes are exceptionally high since we are getting closer to the mass travel period of this Lunar New Year holiday. And government officials say that they aim to vaccinate 50 million people ahead of the February holiday. Zane. Philly Wang,
0: thank you so much. There's much more First Move after this break. The fashion world has lost one of its all-time legends. Pierre Cardin, the French-Italian designer who helped revolutionize the business of fashion, has died at the age of 98. Nino de Santos takes a look back at his groundbreaking career.
1: From the 1950s bubble dress to boxer shorts bearing his name, Pierre Cardin left his mark on the fashion world like few others. Born in Italy in 1922, Cardin grew up in France and studied architecture in Paris after World War II. In 1946, he got his big break, a job at Christian Dior at the time of its famous new look. But the relationship didn't last long, with Cardin going it alone just four years later. In the 1960s, as man explored the outer limits of the Earth, he pioneered space-age chic designer wear, before embracing the mod look a decade later, with sleeveless jackets for men.
2: I think it's funny. Women show their legs, and so I'll show men with muscular arms.
1: But it was Cardin's signature, not his clothes, that made most of the money.
2: Since I have the possibility of profiting from what I have, why wouldn't I? If you're a singer, you sing.
1: Instead of selling his firm, he licensed his name, tragically neglecting to trademark it. Cardin didn't just make clothing. He moved into furniture, designing interiors for cars and private planes.
2: I don't think fashion can be stable. There is a style that people either like or do not, but it has to change. Mine is present, past, future, which means the future is not here yet, but it will become the past."
1: A man of many talents, Pierre Cardin cut his cloth to suit his own business empire, and in his long life on and off the runway, left a lasting impact.
0: Right, Pierre, down, they're dead at the age of 98. Let's take one last look at the markets. Uh, The opening bell is about to ring on Wall Street and the holiday rally is set to continue with all the major averages on track to hit fresh records. Hopes that the newly signed COVID relief bill will boost economic growth is lifting sentiment. Back now, though, to our top story. Uh, the 6.3 magnitude earthquake that has hit central Croatia. The prime minister says that all national state services have been mobilized. A mayor in the region has described to a CNN affiliate scenes of the panic, saying that some people are now looking for their loved ones. The EU has offered assistance to Croatia. We'll bring you much more on this breaking news story as and when we get it throughout the day right here on CNN. And that is it for the show. I'm Zane Asha. I'll be back tomorrow. Marketplace Africa is up next.